Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur by experienced managed service providers. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. Uh, we are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP uh, channel only uh, based out of Dallas as well. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I, I wanted to do this podcast was because visiting a lot of these events, I, I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues that, that we experienced. So wanting to take that pain away from some of the new guys, they decided to go with this podcast. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with, well, I think, a total of three employees, and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop. We're located in South Central Indiana, servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're currently about a dozen employees. We're an MSP. We were originally founded in 1999. I truly believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help me and, and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share with me their mind share on, on how to overcome issues. So I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago and many years in the working and here we are. So we hope that you really get a lot out of this podcast and learn the things that I wish somebody would have told me. Follow, like, and subscribe at IT4Whiskey.com. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. Hi, and welcome back to a next exciting episode of IT for Whiskey. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. I'm with my friends, Joe and Myron. Yo, yo, yo. And my name is Craig. The Terminator. The Craiginator. The Cra- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't you tell us what our next episode is about? Today's topic. We're talking about managing people. We're talking about employee roles and how to make them more focused and productive. That's a good one. It's hard. A lot of people make the mistake thinking that people will do their job without uh, instruction. It's difficult to manage that asset, uh, the people, and making sure that they're doing the things that they need to be doing throughout the day. And it's a constant battle. One of the things that I've seen is that people expect the staff to do things the way that they think about it. And that's, I believe, the wrong mentality. You can't get people to do things the way you want them to do it because that's why we are so different. Every person has their own way. I I always say this, if they could lead a company like ours, why are they working for me? They would be leading a company like ours. Yeah, but beyond the the, the leading and, and whatnot, right? The the thought process, let's say setting up a server. I may take an approach on the way that I would set up a server and Craig would take another. And it doesn't mean that what I'm doing or what he's doing is different or, or wrong. It's just we are all different. The first thing that you got to make sure that everybody's on the same page, that person that works for you is not going to do things the way that you do it. And if you do find somebody that does it the way you do, that's great. But that's one out of 10 that potentially will be the same as you. And that's not really good in the long term as you grow bigger. 
because at the end of the day, you want some diversity. You want somebody that's going to question the way that you th- do things, whether there should be a better way or a different way. So I think that's that should be like numero uno. Very, very true. However, empowering your people to do their job is sometimes very difficult. Empowering them to make decisions that you expect them to and empowering them to do the things you expect them to. Craig, how do you do that? Because I, I struggle with that one all the time. So one thing we do here at ProBlue that's different than most places is that uh, when we're dealing with a complicated situation and a decision has to be made, we'll sometimes share a document when we're writing a response to a client. And I think we've done it enough times that the employees now kind of know my thought process on how I would approach a situation. And I'm starting to see them actually use my decision-making powers and their decisions throughout the day. So I don't have to make every decision that's going on in the office. One thing that I know that people really like is positive reinforcement. Whenever I see something good and they're doing something, a great job, I point it out. And sometimes I'll point it out directly. And sometimes I'll point it out to the entire team. It depends on the situation because sometimes you don't want it all out there because sometimes when an issue occur, there's be multiple people having their hands in it. But there's typically one person that made the deciding factor that made it shine. And you want them to feel like, yes, you contributed and you did a great job. And you can see them brighten up when you give them that positive reinforcement of that you did a great job. I'm very happy with you. Absolutely. Obviously, I want you to continue on, but then say, hey, anytime you have any questions, I'm available to anybody on the team. I always make myself available. Get a hold of me, phone, text, and then, of course, when I'm in the office, help out wherever I can. So the way that we handle it, which is the same thing you're saying, just a little differently, right? We call it our core values. So we sat down at a particular point in time, way back then, and we defined what those core values were for the company which were our core values. And when I talk about ours, I talk about Giovanni and mine, right? And what we expected from our team. And those core values are the ones that when we are going through the hiring process, we vet that person for those core values. And as long as those core values are are the same or very close to the ones that we have, then their decisions, the way they will respond to customers, the way that they will act in certain situation, will almost always be similar to the way we would handle it because we have the same core values. That to us has been the key as we've scaled with adding a new employee every month at this point. Being able to get those core values to match the new staff has allowed us to make sure that the message and the way that they treat the customers and the way that people communicate within the office and how they treat each other, that all ties into that. Now, doesn't mean that a specific message may want to be tweaked one way or another. And at that point, then we encourage, obviously, within collaboration within the team, we we encourage that. So so people do do the same thing as as what you're saying, that they may send the, the emails, hey, can you check this out? But it doesn't have to be us. It could be someone else from the team. And the whole thing kind of works because it's difficult. Now that we're like 35 people, it's hard to be involved with every single piece. There's one particular person that, that came on board that, that helped us put those pieces together that um, if not, we would have been almost to a certain degree micromanaging. I'm not saying that that's what you guys are doing, but we were micromanaging a lot of our staff because they didn't understand our core values and we didn't know what theirs were. So until we we're able to go through that process and figure out that some people were not for us, 
they needed to go, that, that didn't fix those issues. You can see when I work with other companies, how it kind of happens top down. The leader of the company, if he or she acts a certain way, you'll see the same attitude with the rest of the employees from, from all the way from the top, all the way to the, to the lowest level person. And that's because they're probably built the same. Yeah, because typically people hire people like themselves a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. We've had a, a couple of hires recently that they're a little different in the way that they think or the way that they operate. And I actually like it because they, they bring a different personality, a different view. And that's, that's been great to the culture of the company. And I think that that's, that's also needed because too much of the same, then they all become robots, right? And I don't want robots. I was recently at our DR office and we had a dinner with some of the staff there. People were talking about what, what they liked about why they worked for us. You know, a lot of them were talking about the freedom that we give, that they don't feel like they need to operate as a robot. And that, you know, struck a, a positive nerve because that is the environment that we want, that people feel free to provide their input and not that they feel that they're working for this machine that, they're, that their input is not. Because these are all trained professionals, right? So you do want their opinion. You do want, you do want to know what they, what they offer. So that, that was pretty cool. And it's funny you say that. So we do a weekly team meeting because I try to drag out of my staff every week exactly what they're thinking, what they want, and, and to get that input. And the challenge I have is everyone sits in the boardroom and they don't know what to say. I don't know if because they're intimidated, shy, whatever the case may be. But I will say, I wish, I wish for my staff that listen to my podcast, I wish you guys would just flat out say what you're thinking. It would help the company and the whole so much more. But how do you do that? How do you force that out of them? I, I can't figure it out. In my experience, it's a long process. You, you have to do a lot of positive reinforcement, like Craig was saying earlier, and letting them know that what you brought up was great. Even, even if you're not using the idea, encouraging them that that was good. And I've sat in meetings with customers where somebody in the meeting says something and the boss says, yeah, that's not a good idea and kind of shuts them down. That kind of environment makes people not want to participate because they don't want to be shut down, especially in front of others. I think that's, that's something that you can work on. Not, not saying that you do that, but... Myron, not to interrupt, but I don't do that. I tell my staff all the time, make mistakes, please. I want you to make mistakes because if you make a mistake once and you learn from it, then it was worth it. It's like training. It's like education, right? But if you make the same mistake five, six, four, ten times, now we got a problem. But if you make it once and you come to me and say, look, this is what I did, and this is why I did it. I looked at option A, I didn't think it was the right thing. Option B, I didn't think it was the right thing. Option C sounded like the best of the three. I, didn't, I couldn't think of anything else. So I took option C. You know what? I screwed up. It didn't work out. I'm, it made things worse, whatever. I really need help to fix this now. I swear to you, I have never fired a person for doing that. I have fired people for saying, well, it's what I did. And it wasn't my fault because, and they deflect everything. You know what? We're done. In that scenario, I will fire you. But if you come to me with a logical explanation as to why you made the mistake and it was a part of a learning process and you don't repeat it again, 
you'll work for me forever. It's really hard to pull that out of people, though. I don't know how to do it. Greg, any comments? Actually, I just give them whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. It's it's like a magical liquid that they take and, and all problems are solved. That works for me. If I work for you, it will work for me. The thing about people is, and and we've all witnessed this when we're all hanging out, is people like to talk about themselves. They like to feel good about themselves. You have to learn, obviously you need to learn your employees, what motivates them, what what goals do they have in their life and their job. And if you can craft a solution around that and bolster that, and as long as they're smart, um, you can actually grow a very good employee that may stay for a very long time. We have people that have been with us for many years that like hanging out with us and doing IT work all day. Because they're passionate. They love it. Get about passion. What I'm drinking today, I am so passionate about. Oh, nice segue. I am very passionate about this bottle. Um, recently, I went to a, um, a liquor store bourbon tasting. They had this 1792 Kentucky bourbon, straight bourbon. Uh, this thing is so smooth. They had four different ones. They had the single barrel. They had the proof barrel. They had the bottle and bond. And one more, I don't remember what the last one was, but uh, the one I'm drinking today is this bottle and bond version. They take it out of one specific barrel and they make this bottle. It's got this caramel apple tones to it. So smooth. You can even like get like a, a little bit of vanilla kind of flavor to it. But this bottle, man, it's just just fantastic. I actually, uh, I call, I phoned the Craig. Craig Craig was like, get me four of each. <laughs> deal or no deal? Going back to my 1792. 1792, my question, Myron, was there any sweet wheat at the event? Uh, no, there wasn't. Sweet wheat. Um, but I did get you two bottles of the Barrel Proof. And two bottles of, or no, wait, I'm sorry. One bottle of the Barrel Proof, one bottle of the Bottle and Bond. There was actually a one bottle per customer uh, limit, and I had to bribe them to let me take two of each. <laughs> what are you drinking? I actually am drinking an Eagle Rare. Uh, it's just a 10-year. I had that recently. It was really good. You know I have a selection that I could choose from, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know you have a big selection behind you, and uh, it's all good. You're drinking the Eagle's Nest 10. And Myron, why don't you tell us about your recent. Sorry. Eagle's, Eagle's Nest is a golf course around the corner for me. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, that was Hitler's compound, I think, in World War II up in the um, Bavarian. No, there, there's a golf course. Google it. Eagle's Nest, Ontario. I'm not lying. I golf there all the time. All right. Well, we'll believe you. Let's go. Hey, do you think my friend Google would lie to you? So continue on with your story. That's it. That is my story. All right. My story is this. I am drinking a Glen Morangi. It's a Highland single malt scotch whiskey. This particular scotch actually is called Nectar Doar which means gold nectar. It comes in a beautiful box. It opens up and it's got these plastic reinforcement clips to keep it like sturdy, which I, I don't understand why, but it's kind of cool. If anyone knows Latin languages, nectar duar means gold nectar. And she's derived between Latin and Gaelic languages. This is what the back of the bottle says, perfectly describing the stumptuous expression of Glen Morangi. I will say it's a pretty reasonably tasting scotch, but for how much it costs for the bottle, you're paying for the box. $4.99. Box is $4, right? And then the, the whiskey's, never mind. It, it, what? <laughs> what? 
let me tell you something. Speak, speaking of prices, I was uh, I was in Seattle recently uh, for the ASCII Cup, which we won Best Channel Program, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. I went to buy a bottle of scotch to give away at the at the booth, and they charge $2.83 for the bottle tax. Yeah. Plus a $20 alcohol tax. Wait, what? Not, not, not $20. I'm sorry, 20%. But how much was the bottle? The bottle was over $100. For which bottle? And the bottle was uh, overpriced by like 10%. What was the name of the bottle? It was a Glenfiddich 18. The whole thing was like 150 bucks or something like that. But it was much more expensive because I, I know I get that for like $89 locally. So here's, here's, here's a perspective. We pay $179.95 in Ontario for that. Canadian. Yeah, but that's Canadian. Yeah, so... If you even do 1.3 as a conversion, it's $140. So that was still cheaper than what I paid. Okay. We actually pay 40% ta- uh, liquor tax in Ontario. That's crazy. Come to Texas. I was there a few months ago. Boy, did I love it. <laughs> that was fantastic. For, uh, for the new event that you're going to, the, the next event in December, are you connecting back through Dallas? I just want to point out that my flight is direct both ways. No, I'm connecting back through Chicago. So is mine. So this, this episode will air prior to that event. Um, we are going to Next Gen in December. Yay, Channel Co. Another Channel Co. event. We're all going as attendees. I'm not a sponsor for that one. So I'm, I'm, I'm going as my MSP and I'm attending, which is pretty cool. So if you are going to Next Gen, please come see us. I agree. We will be at the bar. <laughs> 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 and we'll probably go out and make our own bar in the hotel room. That's right. What are these things I, I haven't had since last year's conference again? What are they called? The Cheeto Crunchy Flaming Hot Picantes? <laughs> oh, please don't eat those. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. Ah, Let's cut him out. Please don't eat those. Kevin, you might have to just edit him out. <laughs> Going back to people and managing people, Greg, I know you're, you're very hands-off on the day-to-day operation. Can you tell me a little bit of how, how you do that and what, what has been your sweet spot? My brother works for me, so he actually handles the technicians day-to-day on my behalf. I wasn't aware of that, by the way. Yeah, my, my middle brother. I'm the youngest of three, but my middle brother, older than I am, he works for me. So he, he does handle the day-to-day of the technicians. I am more in charge of the sales and marketing and business development um, side. And I have three people on my side that I mostly work with day in, day out. I try not to get involved with the technicians so much um, because I'm more of a distraction than a, uh, than a help. But I am available to them because there's projects that come up that are all in my head. They may not be down on paper. So I try to divulge and give everybody all the information they need. But I still make a point, even though I may not be directly in charge of them, to help motivate and congratulate them on anything that comes up. Especially the biggest things I love the most are when I get an email or a call from a client about one of the employees. That's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. And I tell the employees, listen, you don't have to worry about your job or your performance or anything, as long as I, the clients are taken care of. What you need to worry about is when the clients call and complain. Right. That's the biggest concern. Right, right, right. Because we're obviously not doing our jobs and keeping them happy if they're calling and complaining to me. The, the day-to-day, I try not to look at the tickets. I try not to look what's pending because that, that can suck up your day if you're just looking at that. Because those, those 
those come and go. I mean, you can get 20, 30 tickets in a day and assign technicians. Right now, I think it's working. It's working pretty well. Obviously, there's always room for improvement. And and as you grow, as you add more people, things will adjust and things like that. So that, that's important too. And then and like what Joe said earlier, and well, then you did too, was when you interview people, finding people that work with your culture and the existing group. That's been key. That's been key for us. I mean, obviously you want to find people that aren't like robots, people who are independent thinkers and who can come up with better ideas. Because we're always looking for people to come in and bring in new ideas and solutions because we all get automated. We all get used to doing things a certain way. And there's obviously always a better way to do things. About two years ago, right? So hiring a person was a six-month process, seven-month process. You know, once you hired them, we had to go through the training process. And it took a long time for us to potentially bring those people on board with our with our processes and the way that we thought look at it that way right then soon after that we looked at company culture and those core values and what matched with those employees that with the same stuff that we wanted in the business we looked at what their core values were and we interviewed them we kind of put the whole thing together and then we started to review everybody right and there were a few people that just didn't end up staying because they didn't fit the model. But what what it did help us do was that anybody coming in from that point forward, which we, now we've accelerated and we've been adding you know one to two person a month, give and take, those people have been able to ramp up quickly one month, one and a half months. And they're they're able to come in, they meet their core values, they're they they know what we're trying to do. To their deepest internal feelings are matched to that of the company and it makes it a lot easier to get get through. So that's been that's been really good. And I think that's gonna be the success moving forward for us. Training new people is definitely a, a big time suck. It's a, it's an investment. And you want to make sure whoever you hire it's gonna be well worth the effort to get them up to speed to learn all your systems and how you process everything. Absolutely. We can go into training uh, and it could be a whole podcast because for us on the Greenlink side, you know, every partner that we sign up needs to be trained. I mean, they're they're their own business, but we want to make sure that the Greenlink process and what we believe as as what Greenlink should be uh, is passed on to the to them, so that way they can they can perform their sales and and support the same way that we would want it. Um, so that's an area that we still struggle with. We we have some some big plans about um, how we're going to spend a lot more time training and, and doing things like that. But you, you can't undertrain anyone. It's, it's always a plus when you're spending time and money to train people. How's the Cheetos there, Joe? Yeah, Joe, what's going on? <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. You guys are providing such um, amazing insights. You, it's funny. I actually believe, Myron, that what you just said so much that I believe none of us can be ever overtrained. To, to say someone's overqualified is silly for any role and the more experience uh that yeah. someone can bring to the to the table is the more value that they'll drive to the company and the challenge i find a lot of times is that people don't focus on the strengths of the individuals and they just focus on um some of the weaknesses if you will which is i don't know i i think is the wrong approach but you know you can't take i always say you can't take a really amazing top-notch sales rep like an outbound business developed guy or girl you don't take that person and put them into a role of a director of sales that's not what they do they're not a director they are a fantastic salesperson. So let them be, let them be what they're good at and don't feel guilty about it. Whereas, you know, how do you empower those people that, that want to grow 
and you you nailed it. You got to empower them. You got to compliment them. You got to enrich them. You got to provide them with the training they they need, and you got to show them the way. It's hard. It's not an easy job. It definitely is not an easy job. Well, Craig, you want to close it up with uh, what what advice you'd give them, give people? If you were a uh, starting MSP and you're looking to hire your first employee or add more employees, just go look at Joe's website and hire his. (laughs) Don't worry. I, I remember everything, by the way. They, they come cheap too. They come in a 75 cents to a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> but no, on, on a serious note, not really. I do enjoy hanging out with you guys, having some whiskey, talking business, talking shop, even though Joe's enjoying his Cheetos a lot. They're good today. Not the gummy bears. Not the gummy bears. What's a gummy bear? <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> but uh, our, our schedules are very difficult to get together to get this. So I appreciate you guys taking the time today. We will uh, talk soon. And uh, again, like, listen, share, itforwhiskey.com. Um, soon to be itforwhiskey.green. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Come on. Okay. If it was a Canadian only site uh, podcast, I'd say okay. But you know what? One third of us are Canadian. So no. If it was Canadian, it'd be .ca, right? Right, it would be .ca, not .green. Although .green, .ca, eh, these days, who knows? What's the difference? These days, who knows? <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, tell your friends, do this favor, pass it on, let others know. We're, we're not doing any marketing for this. We want to make sure everybody's getting uh, quality content. Keep sending us messages, letting us know what you want to hear, what you want us to talk about. Again, if you're at NextGen in December, uh, December 9th in um, Anaheim, please join us. We'll probably be at the bar. Come say, tell us that you've listened to us. I was recently in an event uh, in New Jersey, and uh, there was a MSP person that, that, that came over and said, hey, I listened to your podcast. This thing is great. Keep it up. You know, so keep it, keep it up. Bring it up to us. Let us know. That's, that's, that's why we're doing this. Thank you, and uh, take it from there, Kevin. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. <laughs> <laughs>